Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning as we gather here, we continue a series we kicked off last week called I Believe. And we're exploring the themes of the Apostles' Creed. There is just so much packed into this ancient creed as we dig into God's Word. And again, we can do this in a number of ways. Most often, you know, we do something like the Apostles' Creed. We kind of float along like on an inner tube, we said last week. You kind of look down. You kind of know a little bit what's there, but not a whole lot. You could also do something like the Apostles' Creed or any other theme in Scripture. You could take a really deep dive down inside as if you're scuba diving and really get a great depth of what's going on here. But we're going to, get to kind of do in between those two, we're going to do a little more like snorkeling. So we're going to you know, put the snorkel on, we're going to dive in a little bit there, get a little bit of a deeper look at what's going on here when we confess these words, I believe. Again, those words, I believe, and that's the Latin word credo, is where we get the word creed. It means I believe. So what does it mean when we say I believe? And today we're going to look at the first article of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. As we do that, let's start with this here. In three words or less, name a topic you passionately know a lot about. Three words or less, name a topic that you passionately know a lot about. Now, if you're sitting here live, you just think about this. If you're at home, you know, if you want to share and post in three words or less what that is. I'll give you an example. You know, that a lot of you maybe would put on there. You might put the word Huskers on there, right? I don't know if any of you are excited. Some of you are about the Huskers actually going to play a few ball games this fall. Some of you may be a little bit leery about that. But, you know, the Huskers, a lot of people are excited. They've got a lot of passionate knowledge about the Huskers. But I can tell you this. When I first moved to Nebraska, I'm not from Nebraska originally, and I first moved to Nebraska, and one uh, of my elders at the church I was first at, in, um, which I didn't realize how much trouble he was getting me into, he said, here, go on this chat, you know, this live chat. I was chatting with people because I kind of said, I don't know who Tom Osborne is. I know some of you are like, oh, I could you not know who Tom Osborne is. I wasn't from Nebraska. I didn't know. And, and so I was like, who's Tom Osborne? And boy, if you could throw daggers through that computer screen, it would be like, ah. I, I know who Tom Osborne is now. Don't worry. I know a lot more about the Huskers than I have ever did before. But, you know, talk about something that I've got a lot of passionate knowledge about. Some of you who know me could guess I would say coffee. I was drinking a cup of coffee before everyone kind of started showing up here for worship. You know, my third cup of coffee for the day. I love coffee. I know a lot about coffee because I just got this passionate love for coffee. I know that there are two different ways you typically can roast a coffee bean. One way of roasting a coffee bean is like if the coffee bean is in an, an air popper. You know, those air poppers where you put the kernels of corn in there and it swirls it all around and makes this delicious popcorn. You know, and it does that, that the bean gets a really nice even roast to it. And then the other way, it's kind of like a dryer. You know, if your dryer goes around like this, and just the tips of the bean get a roast to it, and they kind of get more of that burnt flavor. So if you go to somewhere that has more of a French roast, for example, you go to one place that has a French roast, and it tastes like it's burnt, it's because they roast their beans that way. You have one where it's a lighter French roast, it's because they roast it more like an air popper, it circles around. I know a lot about coffee. I may not know as much as, as Audie does. Those of you who know Audie from our congregation, he owns a coffee shop. He probably knows more than I know. But I have a lot of passionate knowledge. I know when it comes to making a good cup of coffee, especially if you're going to do like a French press, you talk about three T's. You talk about the time that, that coffee bean spins in the hot water. You talk about the 
temperature of that hot water, and you talk about the turbulence that that bean has that helps those oils come out and makes, oh, a delicious, delicious, rich cup of coffee. So I don't know what things you maybe would put down that you just have this passionate knowledge about. But as we explore this first article of the creed today, we say, I believe in God the Father. We're going to use Psalm 139, particularly the first 18 verses there, as kind of helping us take that scuba dive, not scuba dive, that snorkeling look into this first article. And what it means to say, I believe in God the Father, the creator of all things. So let's take a look here at Psalm 139, the first verse there. And boy, our text shrunk for some reason. Um, we'll see if we get it corrected. But it says that, if you can read that with me here, it says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Now, so when we talk about God knowing this, this is the, the truth. God knows the real you. God knows the real you. God knows you intimately. God knows everything about you. Now, the world's most powerful computer is this supercomputer that is owned by the Department of Energy. It's at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee. This thing takes up the equivalent of two basketball-sized courts of space. And it is able to produce, now see how techy you are, 148.6 petaflops. Anyone know what that is? Just know it's like tons and tons of gigabytes running all at the same time. It can process things, process things so quickly and so much is beyond what we can imagine. And yet it pales in comparison to the God who knows all things. To the God that is the creator of all things. And that's what David is driving here in Psalm 139, especially in the first six verses. What David does, and David's the one that writes Psalm 139, is he stacks eight different Hebrew words on what it means that God knows us. Now, as God knows us, as God knows you, that can be a little scary in some ways, can it? I mean, God knows you. He knows me. He knows all of our faults and all of our foibles. He knows all of our hang-ups and all of our sins. There is nothing that is hidden from his eyes. So those things that we think that nobody else knows about us, those things that we did that, you know, were done in private, God knows. Those thoughts that we thought that we never acted upon or never spoke, but those were in our heads, God knows. God knows everything about us. He knows our hopes our dreams, he knows our fears, he knows our frustrations. And then there's everything that's going on in our lives and our world right now, God knows you. God knows you. And, and as we think about God knowing us, I think sometimes what happens is we behave as if God tolerates us, as if God is tolerating our hang-ups and our failures our sins and our disobedience. It's not that God tolerates us. I mean, God didn't send Jesus so that he could tolerate us. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' perfect life of obedience. He sees Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. He sees the blood that he poured out for you, for me, for the world. 
when he looks at you, he doesn't see your habits and your failures. He sees one whom he knows and whom he loves. God knows and loves the real you. God knows the real you, and let's take a look here at the next verse, verse 10. Let's read this together. Even there your hand would guide me, and your right hand would hold on to me. Here in verses 7 through 12, you know, this is what we learn about our God, this truth about our God. God is always with you. Again, that can be a little fearful, right? God is always with you. I mean, God is always right there. You know, when we're little kids, we think we try to get away with things because mom and dad aren't there. Or maybe, you know, when we're teenagers or we go off to college, we get away with things. But God is always there. God is always with us. In fact, David, as he's expressing this in these beautiful words here, he's saying, you know, there's nowhere I can go geographically. There's nowhere I can go in the world and hide from God. There's nowhere I can go spiritually and hide from God. Now, hiding from God, running from God, is a pretty natural thing for us as human beings. In fact, it became part of our nature going all the way back into, as we read in Genesis, when Adam and Eve first disobeyed God. When they disobeyed God and they realized their sinfulness and they you know, sewed on fig leaves and they tried to hide from God, God is like, where are you? We hid from you, God. And God knew where they were at. God knew what they had done. But he wanted to understand, you know, you don't have to hide. We may want to run and hide from God in our sin, but God invites us to be with him in his love. So also a reminder is God reminds people again and again, I am with you, always. Think about what that means for us in our world right now. I mean, we're in the midst of a pandemic there's a lot of uncertainties economically. A lot of us are stressed in our relationships with one another. We, we watch politics, and I don't know where you may fall, the whole, I don't know if it's a spectrum, but a chaotic little thing of, of politics here. And, and yet we see this, this uncertainty. We see chaos. We have you know, fires in California and hurricanes down south. And through all of that, God promises, I am with you. You are not alone. Even though we may feel like we're alone, even though physically there may be nobody else with us right now, but we are not alone. Our God is with us. He is with you. The promise that Jesus gives, I am with you always. So God knows the real you. God is always with you. And here in verse 14, some beautiful words here from this psalm. Let's read this together. I will give thanks to you because I have been so amazingly and miraculously made, fearfully and wonderfully made. God has made you. You're not a fluke. You're not a mistake. You know, all the things sometimes we try to judge ourselves or judge others by, God says, you know, I have made you. Paul kind of captures this in Ephesians when he says, you are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. God has made you. God has made you, woven you together as an individual in his mother's womb. And, and this shapes our understanding not only of ourselves but of others and how God sees and values not just us but other people. 
doesn't matter whether they look like or think like we do. They are made by our God. They are specially created by Him and loved by Him. Well, think about this. Scientists tell us that there are 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power, if you love math, figure that one out, grains of sand in our world. 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power grains of sand. Anyone got that figured out? That's a lot of sand. And all of those little granulars of sand, you know, they, they all have different shapes and, and colors and sizes, and they're located throughout the world. Yet God knows where each and every grain of sand sits and where it'll be in five minutes, where it'll be in ten years. He knows how it's shaped and what's shaping it. He knows the color. He knows each of them individually, just as he knows each of us, just as he has shaped each of us in our mother's womb, that he's shaping us by his love, his grace, and his presence. You, you and I, are wonderfully made by this creator God. Each and every human being made by our creator God, loved by him, and redeemed by him. So what, you know, what does this all mean? That we are known by this God, that we have a God who is always with us, that we have a God who has wonderfully, you know, woven us together. Well, I brought here, it's just a sheet of, it's actually cardstock, light cardstock here, pen. Do a little artwork for you here and see if you can kind of tell what this is. All right, can you see what that is? Some of you said a dot. Some of you said, no, I can't see what that is at all. There's a, it looks like a little dot right there. It is not a dot. That, that's me with a cup of coffee. I told you I've got a passionate love for coffee, right? And see, you know, what happens is that sometimes when we look and see ourselves, this is all that we see. We think that God sees. But see, you know, there's not only that little blob of, you know, ink there. There's a white sheet of paper. And if you're here, you know, in person, even if you watch a live stream, you can see more than just what's here. And that's exactly what God sees. God sees us, but he also sees everything else that's going on around us and everything else going around in this world. And yet with everything else going on in this world, with all that is scary, with all that seems uncertain, with all that seems wonderful and amazing, God knows the real you and loves the real you. God it's always with you. God has wonderfully made you. You are special to him. I'm going to give you a challenge as we take a look here again and we continue this series. Is take Psalm 139, especially those first 18 verses. and Make that your daily prayer this week. I encourage you to do that. You know, grab a different translation. Don't use the same translation every day. Use a number of different translations. Read through that and, just, and read those words thoughtfully and prayerfully. Oh God, you search me and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. I am fearfully, wonderfully, I am amazingly made by you. So you let those words shape you. They shape you in your understanding of whatever you're going through right now. They shape you in your understanding of yourself and shape you and your understanding of others, the God who creates us and loves us. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the great gift of your love. We thank you. 
think you know the real us. We love the real us. We thank you that you are God who is always with us, Lord, especially the times when it seems that life is uncertain. We thank you. You remind us we are made by you. We are not some mistake. We are not judged by what we have done or failed to do. We are judged by the God who loves us, created us, redeems us, and is always with us. Bless us, we pray, Holy Spirit, as we read through this psalm, this becomes a prayer for our lives this week, that it shapes and molds our own identity and understanding of ourselves, as well as the things going on around us in our lives, our world, and the people we interact with this week. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time.